God's gonna speak to you today. As a matter of fact, how about we put our hands together and welcome our online community who's watching us right now. We love you guys, we're so thankful for you. Exodus chapter four, we'll start in verse one, it says this, it says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? Staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Some of you need to pick up the call of God on your life today. You've been playing around with it too much. It's time to pick it up. You've been, you've been running around it. You've been avoiding it. Today is the day that you pick up the call of God in your life. Somebody say amen. amen. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, says the Lord, wow. is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I'm so thankful today that the supernatural rests completely on God. It's not my responsibility to make supernatural things happen. I give God natural things. I give him my life. I give him my heart. I give him this natural being. And he takes it and he turns it into something supernatural. I'm thankful today that the supernatural is on God. Obedience is my job. The outcome belongs to God. And if the outcome is in God's hands, we can rest today. It's in God's hands. Mom, they're in God's hands. You do what you can do. The rest is up to him. You're not insufficient. You're not deficient. You are enough. You're exactly who God wanted to parent who's in your house. They don't, and I know they say it. Well, so-and-so's mom, who cares about so-and-so's mom? So-and-so's mom is not your mom. You were appointed and you have been anointed by God to raise those children. You have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. You are not lacking anything. You are not deficient in any way. Give God you and he'll do for you what you cannot do for yourself. In the same way a mom does for a child what the child cannot do, God will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So Father, in Jesus' name, we ask over these next few moments that you would speak Clearly, speak God, we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen. This staff that Moses had would become a very important part of what God would use him to do in the earth. This isn't the first, or this is the first time, but it isn't the only time that he uses what is in his hand to bring about a miracle, to bring about something that only God can do. He takes his natural ability. He takes himself. He takes what he has in his hand. He gives it to God, and God does something supernatural with it. As a matter of fact, in Exodus chapter 16, the people of God get in a really difficult situation. They're up against the sea, and Egypt is at their back, and they are trapped in the middle. 
They don't know what to do. Part of them wants to go back. Part of them wants to go forward, but to go back would probably be to go back to death. To go forward would be to to go to death because there's a body of water in front of them. And the Bible says that the people were afraid, so this is what Moses does. Moses starts to talk to them, and he says this. In Exodus chapter 16, verse 13, he says, listen, don't be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Have you ever said something to somebody and really believed what you said? And then you actually thought about it a little while or maybe even God talked to you or somebody else talked to you and they totally contradicted what you just said. This is what happens in this story. Moses has this moment, this leadership moment where he stands up and he says, stand still and see God fight for you today like he's never fought before. And you will see the Egyptians fall and you will see your enemies fall and you will never have to worry about them again. And then he goes and talks to God about it. And God contradicts everything he just said to the to the Israelites. This is hilarious. This is what God says. God says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? That's an interesting way for God to start out a prayer, right? Like, hey, God, I want to talk to you today. Why are you talking to me? God is so offensive sometimes. Comes up to a man in the New Testament. He says, do you even want a miracle? Like, do you even want to be made well? Well, maybe. I, I don't know now that you ask it that way. Like, He's so offensive. He asks weird questions. He asks intrusive questions. He asks offensive questions. He says this. He says, why are you talking to me right now? Tell the people to move on. Well, God, I just told them to stand still. Like, how how do I go back out? It'd be like me preaching this week and then coming back next week. Hey, listen. I just want you to know that everything I told you last week, I talked to God this week and he said, that's crazy, okay? (laughs) So instead of doing that, we're gonna do this. Sometimes it's better to talk to God before you open up your mouth, right? Okay, all right. But anyhow, so the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Tell him I said to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Ground. A couple of things I want to show you here is that everything you need to do what God has called you to do in this moment, you already have. I love this because Moses says to God in Exodus chapter four, he says, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to say? What if they don't believe me? And God's response is what is in your hand? He gets to another point here in Exodus 16, and he's like, what are we supposed to do? We supposed to stand still? What are we supposed to do? God says, use what is in your hand. I love this because before you ever get to the sea, before you ever get into a moment where you need a miracle, God has already put a miracle on the inside of you. God has already put a miracle in your hand. Is there anybody thankful today that you have everything that you need to do and to be what God has called you to be. This is important. So he says, Moses, I actually gave you the method of your deliverance before you ever got there. Take what I put in your hand and stretch it out and watch Israel walk across 
on dry land. Here is the principle for today, and this will be the principle that we work from the rest of this morning. The principle is this. Sometimes we are asking God to do something he's already done. Sometimes we are asking God to show up and God is asking us, when are you going to get here? Sometimes we get into a place and into a space in our lives where we're like, God, why won't you show up? God, why won't you do anything? God, why won't you answer? God, do you even hear me? And God is like, I'm already here. I've already answered. I'm waiting on you to show up. Sometimes the idea or the thought God didn't show up is really we didn't show up. The Bible teaches me that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So when I get to church, I'm not really asking God to come. God shows up when I show up. And the reason most of you are in a situation right now and you're thinking, God, where are you at? God, why haven't you shown up? God, why are you doing it? God, why are you answering? It's because God is waiting on you to show up. Can somebody say amen? Is there anybody who knows this morning that what I need, what I want is already within my reach? It's already within my reach. I'm not, I'm not waiting for God to show up. God showed up when I showed up. God, why don't you do something? I did, actually. I sent my son over 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. I sent you the Holy Spirit. You've been empowered by the Holy Ghost, and you're still asking me to do something. You're still asking me to move when I moved and I gave you everything that I had. I'm not holding back anything. I gave you my son. I'm not holding back anything. You have everything you need. And sometimes we look at life as if something's missing when nothing is really missing. God has already gifted us and empowered us and blessed us and used us and, and given us the strength that we need. It's already here. It's already here. And sometimes, think about this, sometimes... Sometimes we pray and we don't pray for reasons we don't want to admit. Sometimes we pray as an excuse to continue being apathetic. And sometimes we don't pray because we know God's going to tell us to do the thing he already told us to do. God, I want a word from you. He said, I'm not giving you a word until you obey the first one I gave you. God, will you do something new? I'm not going to do anything new until you recognize the thing that I've already done. Like, and sometimes we pray, uh, oh, God, would you? Oh, God, would you? And it's really just an act of apathy. Because it's like if I keep praying about it and, and God doesn't do it, then at least I prayed. At least I was spiritual. And, and if I don't pray, sometimes it's, it's, it's not because I don't have faith. It's because I know God's going to tell me. I'm waiting for you. Ooh, man. You don't always need something new to do something new. And very often the things that you've been looking over are the things that are going to bring you out. You've been minimizing what God wants to maximize. You've been undermining what God wants to use. You've been overlooking things that God says, oh, there's a miracle in that. You're like 
you're like the woman who told the prophet, hey, I, all I have is enough for me and my son. We were going to eat this and die, not realizing that God has already given you the tool that's going to bring breakthrough in your life. The, when the, listen to me. When the prophet came and he asked that woman for a cake. Think about this. She didn't have enough for her and her son to continue on, but she had enough to feed the prophet. And in feeding the prophet, she would feed her and her son for the rest of their lives. Think about this. You don't think it's enough for you and yours, but the problem is, is you haven't sown it. God, this paycheck isn't enough to get me by. Problem is you won't sow your 10%. Problem is you won't give. Problem is you won't. And you're trying to live off of God, what God wanted you to sow so he could give you something that you wouldn't have to think about how I'm going to get by on this. I'm going to eat this and die. That's how we feel Friday, right? I'm going to party this weekend. I'm going to spend the whole paycheck. Maybe I'll die. I don't care, right? I'm not going to be around Monday anyway and ain't going to be able to pay the light bill on Monday anyway. What if what we have is enough? We just don't see it correctly. I mean, to Moses, it's just a stick that he's carrying around that he uses a walking stick. Or he uses as he's in the field and he's herding animals. It, there's no power to it. He doesn't see a snake in it. He doesn't see a water splitting all he sees is something that helps me walk around. I got this limp and I just need to. That's all he sees. All I see it is is something natural. But when you give it to God, it becomes something completely different. That's why I don't want you to ever underestimate anybody. Because you have no idea what somebody could be once they give their life to God. I don't care what they have been. Once you put it in God's hands, everything changes. So I gave it to Moses before he got to the Red Sea. And I told Moses, use what you have. Because some things don't just require God's intervention, but our participation. Think about this for a minute. The spiritual journey is not just about discovering God in the world around me, but it's finding out that God is living in me. It's weird, isn't it? We tell our kids, hey, where's Jesus live? In my heart. Where's God live? He lives in me. And then we get into situations and we're like, where are you? So it's not just about discovering God in the world, it's about discovering God in us. Because God does not just wanna show you who he is, he wants to show you what you have. The, the, the burning bush, Moses, the Bible says, he, he turns aside. He sees this bush burning in the, in, in the desert and he turns aside to look at it. Now a bush burning in the desert is not an unusual thing. It's not an unusual thing, but a bush burning in the desert that is not being consumed is unusual. And the thing that makes Moses turn aside is that this bush isn't going anywhere. 
this problem isn't going anywhere. This issue isn't going anywhere. This thing keeps coming up and it won't go away. There's something that God is burning in your life that isn't going anywhere and he wants you to look at it. There are some things that are on fire in your life. Your marriage might be on fire right now. And until you look at it, you will not ever begin to see what's in you. And there are so many people, they're avoiding the things that are burning because the things that are burning are difficult to understand. They're difficult to comprehend. I'd rather not, I know my marriage is on fire, but I'd rather just keep walking and act like nothing's happening over there. I see that, I see that thing. But, or I'd rather keep going to church and I see problems, but I'd rather just keep walking by. You walk in on a Sunday morning, it's like, man, they, they need some more. You drop your kid off and they're like, man, they might need some more help in there. I'm just gonna turn away from that burning bush. I don't wanna help that, I don't wanna see that. Uh, uh, man, they could probably use a couple more people in the parking lot. Let me just keep walking in this morning. I don't want to see that. And so many times in life, we see something on fire. We see something that God is calling our attention to, but we wait on somebody else to do it. And I love Moses' response. He turns to look at it. And when he turns to look at it, not only does God show him who he is, God shows, he shows Moses who he is as well. And he starts to talk to Moses about what he has. Some of you, you, you will never find out what you have because you keep avoiding what you don't want. You keep, you keep walking up to the sea and like that, yeah, maybe somebody will build a bridge someday. That'd be nice. And you just keep walking back home. You come back the next day. Oh, wow. Uh, the boats, all the boats are gone. I guess I'll turn back around. You keep walking back and, oh man, it's, weather's bad today. I guess I'll come back tomorrow and you keep walking. But there's got to be a point where you stop waiting for some natural things to come. Because watch this, you are, the natural is already here. It's already apparent. It's already there. And it's either going to be against you or it's going to be for you. But none of that matters anyway when you serve a supernatural God. So when I approach the water, it doesn't matter if there's a bridge, it doesn't matter if there's a boat. If God told me to cross over, I'm, I'm getting over. I don't care how it has to happen. He got to pick me up. He got to swim me through. He got to part. He's going to do whatever he has to do. Why? Because God is sovereign and it requires a sovereign God to lead my life. Because a God who cannot do miracles is not sovereign. So Moses. I want you to look at this, not just because I want you to see this bush that's on fire, but I want you to see what's in you. I want you to see what's in you. So I have to stop running from the things that reveal what I have. The Red Sea reveals what I have. That doctor's report reveals what you have. That difficulty in your life reveals what you have. Not what you want, what you have. And so I have to stop running from difficult things because difficult things reveal what I already have. Stop crying out to me. Here's the thing.
when, when you get to a certain place in God, you start to discover that as I mature, God actually does less of the miraculous and requires more of me. Because miracles are actually a sign of immature faith. Think about this. Jesus, they always wanted a sign, didn't they? Why, what, what did Jesus say to people who always wanted him to prove himself, do something? Man, you faithless generation, always wanting me to do a sign, always wanting me to perform a miracle. It's not that you won't need miracles. It's just that as you walk with God, you start to apply so many principles that what you used to need by miracle, you get by principle. It's a sign that you're growing. It's a sign that you're maturing. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 35, it says that as the Israelites walked through the wilderness, they got to this point where they crossed over the border into Canaan, and it says for 40 years they manna in the wilderness, but it stopped as soon as they crossed the border into Canaan. Why? Because God was gonna continue to feed them, he was just gonna feed them a different way. He had been feeding them with manna from heaven. They were getting water out of rocks. Sandals weren't wearing out. Perfect health. But the same miracles that were happening in the wilderness are not the same miracles that were happening in the promise. They were different. They were miracles of principle. You reap what you sow. So if you want to eat, you got to work. Because I'm not dropping bread out of heaven anymore. I'm expecting you to learn how to sow and to reap. Well, what are you going to do, God? I gave you the ground. Well, what's your part, God? I gave you bodies of water. I'm taking you to a place that's not a desert anymore. There's water. And so, so growth, maturity, is when you need less miracles because you're applying more principles. I think sometimes we've got it mixed up. We, we, we live in a day where everybody's like, where are the miracles? Where is... And it's like, maybe we're in a season where we've crossed over. God still does miracles. And if God needs to do a miracle, he'll do a miracle. But the principle is actually better than the miracle. Because the miracle happens, and the Bible says that the manna rotted every single day. But what you produce from the ground lasts. And it doesn't just come in one season, it comes in... I just want you to know that the fruit in the promised land tastes better than the manna in the wilderness. There's some people, they just want to to live in the wilderness. Why? Because there's miracles there. Free sandals. Water from rocks. I mean, manna, God's just literally dropping it outside of my tent every single day. But 
But bro, it's still the wilderness. You're in a desert. And there are a lot of people like, well, why do I, why do, why do, why do I feel like I'm, I'm just wandering and you're not maturing? God can be doing miracles for you and you still not be growing. Because sometimes miracles are a sign that you're not grown yet. Help us, Lord. I've had so many things backwards. This is one of those moments where I'm coming to you. And years ago, I would have preached something to you. And I'm here today to say, I know I told you to stand still five years ago. But God said to move. Wow. So Exodus 13 16, 35 says, the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. It was, it was a settled place. They came to a place that was settled. Wow. They ate manna until they were settled. They needed, they needed new sandals every day until they were settled. Because when they got settled, they, they found out how to, fit, how to fix shoes and make shoes. And they ate manna every day until they settled. Because when they settled, they learned how to plant a seed and grow a harvest. And whew. They found a place that was settled. And until they settled, they, they had been putting up tents. But now they're building homes. If you're in a place where you're wandering, it could be that you're not maturing. It could be that you've crossed over and you're still waiting on God to do something he's waiting on you to do. Wow. Exodus 3, 17, the Bible says, I'm gonna take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Ooh, man. On their journey, they found this place where the, the Bible says the grapes were so big, they were the size of a person's head. That's a big grape. Think about that. So, so I'm taking you to a place that's flowing with milk and honey. And along the way, I'm gonna show you some places that ought to stir up a holy frustration with the desert. But it didn't. I'm going to show you grapes bigger than you've ever seen. And it should put a hunger in you to get out of this desert. But you like, you like the desert. Some of us aren't out of the desert because we like it. Because Canaan requires something of us that wasn't required from us in the desert. Just lay back. Lord, watch this, kids. Watch this. I ain't even got to go to work today. Man is going to come out of heaven. Watch this. I can live in my mom's basement for years and years. She just keep bringing sandwiches down. That's how it works. Think about it. A land flowing with milk and honey. Now, can you imagine their surprise when they get there, right? 
we're, go we're going to a land flowing after 40 years. An entire generation has died. They've heard the stories. It's flowing with milk and honey. And then they get there, and when they get there, there are no rivers of honey. There's not one lake filled with milk. I thought you said, God, I, God, I thought you said rivers, rivers and lakes. No, I never said rivers and lakes. I said milk and honey, but I never said rivers and lakes. Oh, did you mean animals and bees? <laughs> you, meant, you meant the land was going to be flow. Oh, you meant the land was going to be full of animals, cattle, and bees. You didn't mean rivers of lakes. And this is where the confusion has to end for you today. God doesn't do rivers of honey and lakes of milk. He does cows and goats and bees. The cow has to be milked. Some of you in this room today, you're like, God, I asked you for a spouse and you gave me an animal. <laughs> and God's looking at you and saying, milk it. <laughs> I asked for a husband and you gave me a jack, a donkey. We're streaming right now. Can't say that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I, I, I want the honey, but I don't want the bees. Oh, I, give me honey, but I don't want to get stung. But some of the stuff you cannot get. And, and as a matter of fact, when they got there, Joshua turned to Caleb and he said, Caleb, you remember that piece of land we talked about? He said, do you still want it? Caleb said, yeah, baby, give it to me. And, and, and Joshua said, but there's giants in the land. He said, oh, I'm ready. Why? Why does God do that? Why does God say, here, this is yours, but I'm going to fill it full of giants? Because God wants you to be a part what he's doing in the earth. God could do everything and ask nothing of man. But the point and the reason we were created is to be in relationship with God. Not watching God do everything, but co-laborers, the New Testament says, with Christ. Working together. I'm just going to sit back and watch God do it. That's not how it works. The Bible even says about, about what God does in the earth. It says God doesn't even do anything until the earth until he talks to the prophets about it. He works with man. Oh, man, God, I thought you were, I thought you were going to give me a river of money. No, I gave you a job, ding-a-ling. A J-O-B. Oh, I thought you were talking about checks in the mail. I watched too much TBN. Thought you were going to send checks in the mail. No, I, I gave you a job. But, I, but, but it's, not the one, it's not the one I want. It's not the one I was created for. Oh, man, you'll never get the one you were created for until you do the one you don't like. You'll never get the honey until you deal with the bees. I don't want to go out into the world. It's scary out there. There's bees out there. But that's where the honey is. <laughs> I don't want that. There's giants. That's where your property is. But I thought God was just going to like you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna walk over to it and point at it, and people would just give stuff to me. Oh man, you didn't read your Bible. You watch Christian TV, but you didn't read your Bible. 
got to milk the animal. You got to harvest the honey. Man. And this is important for you because God is trying to give you something that's better than the wilderness. Because what, what you eat by harvest is better than what you eat by miracle. It is. The food in Canaan was way better than the food in the wilderness. I like some places to eat, but I don't want to go there every day for 40 years. I want to be able to pick, you know, tonight, babe, let's go out in the garden. Let's get this. Tonight, let's go over to so-and-so's. They got a garden. It's got all this in it. Hey, tonight, let's go to that restaurant down the road that Ahab started. I don't know. You know what I mean? They settled there. And so many of you have settled in a place that God called you to walk through. You built a house in the desert and you weren't supposed to build a house there. We stand with me today. Hebrews 5.11, 14 says, there's so much more we'd like to say about this. This way I feel every Sunday. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull. I don't feel that way about you every Sunday. Some Sundays. Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just the people online. Um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm, serious. I'm kidding. Especially since you're a spiritual. I'm, I'm totally serious. Um, I mean, joking. Or am I? I don't know. And he says, he says, but you don't seem to listen. You've been believers so long. Now you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. When you come to church, come to church with the posture that God, I... I need a principle today that I can apply to my life that will produce miracles. I mean, I'm, again, you're never gonna come to the point where you don't need God to intervene. But God's intervention has so much to do very often in scripture with our participation. Jesus is in the city, but, but Zacchaeus has to climb the tree. Jesus is in the city, but the woman with the issue of blood has to crawl through the crowd. Jesus is at the well, but the woman has to come to the well to get water. There's a, he comes to a place and then he waits. A vision is just an invitation to come where God is. So Kev, when God says, I want you, I give you a vision, I've got this for you, I want you to plant this church and I'm calling you here. When you're not there, doesn't mean he's not with you because he's in you. But watch this. When he shows you what he has for you, it's an invitation to come where he is. I'm showing you where I'm at next. And I can't do through you what I want to do through you where you are. 
It's not always about location. Sometimes it's about maturity. So I would, I would challenge you today. God, help me understand what do I bring to the table? What do I already, what are you looking at me and saying, what's in your hand? I love this, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Say this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has given his precious and magnificent promises so that through them, you may become partakers in the divine nature. Now that you have escaped corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, watch this, make every effort to add to your faith. But Rob, you said I already have what I need. You do. You've already got his power. He said it. You've got everything you need that pertains unto life and godliness. You have, every, you have promises. You've become partakers of his divine nature. You've escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now he says, and he says, you have faith, but add to your faith. This is, this is I've crossed over. This is I've passed the border. I, I'm, I'm not saying, God, do miracles. God, please show up. No, I'm saying, God, uh, help me develop virtue. How, how about I work on my knowledge? This is your responsibility. I've given you I've given you salvation, I've given you my spirit, I've given you power, I've given you, you've escaped the corruption of the world. You, you, are, you have everything you need, but what you need to add, I don't, you don't need more gifts, you don't need more talent, you don't need more calling, you don't need more purpose, you need more brotherly kindness. This is maturity. I have everything I need from God, now it's on me to add Virtue, kindness, self-control. That's not God's responsibility. That's yours. I met somebody one time and they were so mad. They were like, I've been praying and asking God to take this feeling away from me and God won't take it away from me. He doesn't care about me. Oh, no, that's your responsibility. He's given you everything you need. You're blaming God for something that's your fault. And he says, that's what he says. He says, because if you possess these qualities, these aren't gifts, these are qualities. If you possess these qualities and you grow in him, they will keep you, watch this, from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is the possibility that that you could know Jesus and still be ineffective unproductive because you won't cross over. Don't stay in the wilderness when you don't have to. It's my wilderness season. Doesn't have to be. It's my desert season. Doesn't have to be. It's my dry place. Doesn't have to be. At least not for 40 years. So Father, help us. Help us to recognize what you have already put in our hands. 
Help us, like Paul told Timothy, he said, do not neglect the gift that was given to you. There's nothing wrong with the gift. The gift is everything you need. The problem is your neglect of the gift. I put it in you, but you've been neglecting it. I gave it to you, but you've been looking over it. I gave it to you, but you've been careless with it. God, help us to stop being careless with what you have given us. Careless with what you put in our hands, looking for something better when you've already given us something great. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody in the room said amen if you can.